Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. A goodly morning to you, James. Goodly morning to you. It's a, it's a, it's a goodly post-Wembley morning, isn't it? They, they tend to be after a Wembley outing. Nine in a row, apparently, at Wembley for Arsenal now. That's nine wins from our last nine games at Wembley, including Community Shields, semi-finals, finals. It's a pretty good record. It is a good record. It is a good, I saw a stat, Olivier Giroud, who scored the winning penalty yesterday, the only man to feature in all of our wins at the new Wembley. So there you go. Wow. Wow. What a record he has there. We've got to keep him around. He's the talisman. Yeah. At Spurs' home ground now as well. That's going to be something for the new season, isn't it? They must love yeah, that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Spurs away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll be a good one. Oh, now they've won another trophy at our ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, yeah, so look, we've got we've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on. Lots of things have happened, obviously, um, with the Community Shield and other things have been happening. And the new season is just days away. We're starting on Friday against Leicester. And uh, I can't believe the summer's flown by as quickly as it has. So what shall we do? Where will we start? What will we where, what will we focus on? I guess yesterday is the, the best place to start. And, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, well, look, you know, I, I was looking at the Community Shield as a game that, look, it doesn't mean a great deal uh, in terms of the season ahead, in terms of the Premier League. It's not a precursor. It's not a It's not a, a thing like if you win the Community Shield, you're going to do this, that and the other. But all the same, it was, uh, it was good to have a positive performance and a positive display. And, of course, it's always good to beat Chelsea at Wembley or beat Chelsea anywhere for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I understand people who say oh, it's just another pre-season friendly, but given that we've played Chelsea twice in pre-season, let's just say I would I would much rather the results this way round. You know, we got beaten 3-0 by them out in Asia. Uh, and, that, you know, I think if that had happened yesterday, it would have been a bit dispiriting. As it is, it was a huge boost, really. I mean, I know it's, it's sort of a friendly game. I think I sort of unapologetically think if we'd lost, I would have been like, yeah, it's just a friendly. But having won, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm prepared to enjoy it a lot more. Uh, and I, I don't really apologise for that. But I think that if you look at the players, if you look at their reactions to scoring, if you look at their reactions in the shootout, if you look at uh, the full-time whistle, if you look at Arsene Wenger on the sidelines, certainly. I mean, he was quite tense for long periods of the mm. game. I think they really wanted to win and lay down a marker. And I think it does do that. You know, I think for all the comments about the game, it's definitely better that we won and it definitely 
gets us onto the season on a good footing. Yeah, I agree. And when you look at who we were missing yesterday, no Alexis Sanchez, no Mesut Ozil, Aaron Ramsey, Lauren Koscielny, uh, Skodran Mustafi, you know, players mm. who would have been in the first team. Joel Campbell. Been, Joel Campbell, of course. You know, to do it without Joel was really, really something. <laughs> I think that's the big positive we can take <laughs> from yesterday's game. Though, If we can do it without Joel Campbell, we can do it without anyone. Um, no, but I mean, I think that's, you know, it, it shows perhaps that there is a bit more depth to the squad than people think. You know, people would have had concerns over midfield, for example. I thought El Elneny was, was really good, really effective, and I thought Granite Xhaka was, was absolutely superb. Really good, really good. I mean, I, he was the official man of the match, actually, yesterday. They announced at full-time, and you could see why. I thought he grew, actually, as the game went on. He seemed to sort of take control mm. of the game, and I mean, what about that shot as well? That was Oof. a hell of a save, wasn't it, from Courtois? But what a goal that would have been. A brilliant, brilliant save, but... I, I resent Courtois a great deal for making it because it looked like, like if I'd hit that shot, a shot like that going into the top corner and keeper saved it, I'd be going, oh, you absolute wanker. I mean, I know that's his yeah. job and he's very good at his job and that's why you have a, you know, a world class six foot seven goalkeeper like Courtois. Um, because I don't think David Ospina was saving that one, for example, if, if, if it had been no. at the other end. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great effort, a really great effort. But I just thought his composure, his creativity, his calmness, his coolness on the ball, the way he uses it, the way he sees things, I think, um, and I know he got a lot of stick last season and people were very quick to write him off and, and call him an absolute disaster and a flop. And I think those people will be eating uh, a great big dollop of humble pie right now. And I think as the season goes on, that, that slice of pie is going to get a lot bigger. Yeah, I think so. I saw a bit of uh, chatter about this on Twitter last night with uh, lots of fans kind of going after a few journalists who had criticised Shaka last season and who haven't necessarily revised their opinions yet. But I think as fans, we see the change quicker. You know, I think we all know how good Shaka was at the back end of last season. Yeah. Uh, and I think how important he's going to be for us this year. It might take a little bit of time for people to catch up on that. But if he keeps playing like he did yesterday, it won't take too long because he's our most important midfielder, probably our key playmaker, really. We think of Mesut Ozil as the playmaker, but Shaka is, is the guy who starts it all off. And some of his long-range passing was brilliant yesterday. And I must say, as annoyed as you were with Courtois for making that save, it, I think it's safe to say he made it up to us later on. Uh, he certainly did, didn't he, in the penalty shootout? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was watching afterwards and they were, they were interviewing Petr Cech. I don't know if you saw the interview on BT Sport after the game. Yeah. And he said, look, the reason he dived the way that he dived for the penalty was because um, that's where Courtois puts his penalties. So they, mm. they do it in training. He always goes into the top corner. Conte said afterwards he is one of our best penalty takers. But it, it's the idea of a goalkeeper taking a penalty that seems ludicrous to many people. But... But, you know, I don't really see the problem if he scores it. I remember David Seaman taking a penalty in the Charity Shield some years ago, maybe against Manchester United. I think he, he, he had a penalty saved by uh, Peter Schmeichel. So, um, right. you know, it's not without precedent, but certainly watching him blast the ball out of the stadium was really very funny. I don't know if you watched the coverage on the BBC. I watched the highlights last night and afterwards Mark Lawrence said, uh, if, if you think about it, goalkeepers should take penalties because they actually kick the ball a lot during the game. 
<laughs> somehow discounting all outfield players and the amount they kick the ball. Yeah. It was it was an extraordinary piece of analysis <laughs> until you consider where it's come from and then suddenly it all yeah. makes sense. They actually kick the ball a lot during the game, don't they? It was really <laughs> actually, there was another great piece of commentary which I'm going to play for you now. It came after our goal. Um, Steve McManaman is I, I don't know if you've noticed this in his commentary, but he's he makes funny noises, he, he, he like exclamations. So this is McManaman just after uh, watching the replay of Kolasinac's goal. Uh, you should be able to hear this. I think that's Cesc Fabregas playing them all on sides and splendid isolation, lovely ball in by Shaka. Oh, is the left back. <laughs> <laughs> like, first off, what the fuck is he on about with splendid isolation? I don't know if he was fucking doing a poetry course before he came on. But then the, oh, as he, as he keeps going, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's, it's brilliant. He's, he seemed to really enjoy that bad marking. Let, let's put it like that. Yeah, and then, but yeah. hang on, no, there's another one. <laughs> there's, oh, there's more, there's more. This is him watching the replay of Pedro putting his studs on the back of El Neni's Achilles. You could, this is just where he, he realises what a... What a what a bad foul it is! He's, he hasn't played Pedro. No, a match for three weeks Ooh. since he picked up that injury. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Steve McManaman making all the noises. So yeah, I mean, uh, just to quickly get back to to Granite Xhaka because that Pedro fouls reminded me of it. It was a bit of a niggly game. Yes, so you know, again, for a supposed friendly, you think of Bellerin's tackle on Alonso. Oh yeah, you think of obviously. Yeah. And you think of um, uh, obviously Pedro's uh, sending off as well, uh, and <laughs> and Shaka, you know, who we think of as a guy with a short fuse. He sort of didn't really get involved. In fact, it was him sort of stood next to the referee, kind of calming things down after the the Pedro El Neni incident. So Actually, he gave maybe a, a bit of a sign yeah. of. Yeah, maturity, maturity you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gave Pedro a bit of a... He had the cramp thing, didn't he? So he stretched out his leg. He was being all all nice and sporty yeah. and, and what have you. Yeah, no, I thought that was I thought that was uh, interesting, all right, that maybe he's making a conscious decision to, to maintain his discipline as much as possible because one of the things I don't think you want to lose from Granite Xhaka is just that little bit of an edge to his game. It's about, it's about finding the balance, I guess, because he does have that bit of an edge and he does like to wind opponents up and he does like to get involved and get in their faces and, uh, and everything else. So... Um, yeah, I, I see what you mean, but I don't want him to lose that entirely. But I, I guess while we're talking about that kind of a player, Kolasinac came on for Per Mertesacker, who um, who suffered a nasty cut to the head after a clash mm. with, with Gary Cahill. He went off, Kolasinac came on, Nacho Monreal just slots in there to the, to the uh, sweeper role without a fuss. He's just so great, mm. isn't he, Monreal? Um, yeah, class. But Kolasinac comes on, and well, I don't know. Just, I mean, he's <laughs> he's he he looks he looks good value, doesn't he? For no pounds and no pence, that's a, that's a pretty good signing so far. Yeah, no pounds for about three hundred pounds of meat, basically. Isn't it? I mean, he, my, my brother was there. He's a Chelsea fan, and he just texted me at half time saying that Kolas, that Kolasinac run. I mean. It, 
once he once he gets going, it's very very difficult to stop him. The sheer momentum of the guy is something to behold. Yeah, he's uh, he is a unit, that's for sure. Uh, but quicker than you would think. I mean, certainly when he made that break from our half into their half, I was going wow, because it was a Chelsea player trying to chase him and not making up any ground. And maybe it wasn't the fastest mm-hmm. Chelsea player on the team, but still, uh, it was a very very impressive run. Uh, he looks to have a real bit of physicality about him as well, doesn't he? I can't imagine there's too many players, uh, right-sided players. I can just, I bet uh, Jesus Navas is now at home in Sevilla, having re-signed for his boyhood club, I think. He must be at home going, thank fuck. Thank fucking God I don't have to play against that guy because the idea of someone like Navas and and Kolasinac coming together, um, there's only one winner there. Let me tell you, Theo Walcott will not be leaving Arsenal this summer <laughs> because <laughs> if he does, he might have to come up against Kolasinac and I can't see him being at all interested yeah, in not that having prospect. That. No, 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 I'm staying no. on the bench. I'm, I'm happy enough here. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> uh, no, I'm actually quite happy, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just comb my new hair. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought he was really, really excellent. And look, he's got the body of a centre-back, brain of a wing-back, hasn't he? I mean, even when he played as that kind of left-sided centre-half yesterday, he was still bombing forward again and again which Mm. you can afford to do a little bit in that back three I was surprised he didn't start and Arsene Wenger said in his press conference afterwards he said I had a a little bit of a hesitation to start him but that hesitation surely will have evaporated by the time Leicester comes around because I thought he was really brilliant and he looks absolutely tailor-made for Premier League football some players they arrive and you think oh it might take them time to adapt to the physicality I think the league's going to take time to adapt to this guy Mm. he's a monster and uh, yeah I I really like the look of him and a a great signing on a free transfer Bundesliga team of the year last season too let's not forget yeah certainly if the option is Kolasinac as the left wing back or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain I think there's only one option Um, he didn't have a great game yesterday Oxlade-Chamberlain and I think we 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 we've been made aware of what the pecking order is uh, when it comes to the right hand side. Uh, it's Hector Bellerin who's going to play on the right, and Oxley Chamberlain is back up for the left hand side. That's where he is in mm. the squad at this moment in time. So again, we, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. But look, it was um, it was a, a nice delivery from Xhaka that brought about the goal. Um, that Kolasinac headed in and obviously we went into a penalty shootout straight into a penalty shootout this new system the ABBA system of, of penalties where the first yeah. team goes first and then the, the next team gets two goals and the, the first team gets two goals it was interesting and um I thought it was quite uh, quite effective from an Arsenal point of view anyway. I mean, I guess, as with uh, any penalty shootout, the main thing is scoring your penalties, holding your nerve, showing your character, and that's what we did. Yeah, and I guess for us, the way it worked quite well is it meant Petr Cech didn't have to face too many penalties in the end. I think he only faced about three, didn't he, by the time we'd won it. But <laughs> I think... Uh, yeah, look, our penalties were actually really good. I mean, you know, we all spent a lot of time laughing at Courtois, and understandably so. But our penalties were decent. And uh, I must be honest, when Theo Walcott stepped up first, I was thinking, oh, I'm not so sure about this, but great penalty from him. Montreal, class all game, class from the spot. Mm. Oxlade Chamberlain, good kick, and, and Giroud tends to be very reliable in those situations. So, yeah, we, we did the job. We did the job, and, and, and the players really enjoyed it. I really liked uh, those scenes of them celebrating afterwards. Alexis Sanchez coming onto the pitch, you know, high five in every player. <laughs> yeah. He, I think, he knew the camera was following him a little bit, but uh, yeah. it was uh, it was good to see. And you know, 
they cut loose a little bit. I think, you know, after they beat Bayern and after they won the Emirates Cup, there was that whole thing of, oh, we're not going to lift the trophy. But I think at this point, they saw that there were plenty of fans there and they gave them something to enjoy with mm. a bit of a celebration. It was a, it was a really good day out, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. There's no reason not to celebrate it. You know, everyone knows what the what, you, how meaningful the game is. The players know that as well. There was a great moment, I don't know if you saw it as well, when the players were about to lift the shield and Alexis is standing there and the confetti bomb goes off and he just goes... <laughs> 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 you can yeah. just see him on the side of the video. He <laughs> gets a little fright. Um, he probably he made... very funny in a suit, Alexis Sand. There's something odd about it, isn't there? I can't quite place it, but it's because he's so sort of stocky. He, lo- I mean, it's yeah. He looks like he's about to rip it off. I guess he looks a bit like a Chippendale. <laughs> I was going to say he looks like a like one of the 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 cast members from an Ocean's Thirteen movie or something like that. The one Narcos who doesn't get to say yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> he doesn't get to say anything. He just stands in the background. Uh, but yeah, Chippendale, I think uh, <laughs> works just just fine. Actually, I was um, uh, at Members Day. Last week I did a Q&A uh, and mm. I asked Petr Cech about penalties. Um, and, and his opinion is that, you know, he'd obviously like to save them because he saved penalties uh, in the past. He, he said he'd uh, a fairly decent track record with penalties before he came to Arsenal. But that ultimately for him, uh, it, it's about the context of the game. So if Arsenal win 4-1 and he doesn't save a penalty, then it's not going to bother him. But, you know, obviously if a penalty goes in and uh, and we lose the game or it has a, a negative impact on on the performance, then then that's the thing that, that, that bothers him really. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's something that's preying on his mind, to be honest. Um, and we, no. we, we made it not an issue for him yesterday because we, we scored ours and Chelsea's penalties were, were pretty bad. Yeah, they were. They were. I mean, I mean, we all talk about Courtois, but Morata's, I think, you know, especially from a striker, was particularly bad. Uh, first time you saw it, I thought I thought Czech might have saved yeah. it, but it turns out he just screwed it miles and miles wide. Um, so not. And I think there's a clip going around on Twitter of uh, Michi Batshuayi sort of laughing when he misses. Oh, really? Just <laughs> worth checking out. Yeah. He seems to be uh, a, a funny guy, that guy, that Batshuayi. Yeah, he does seem to have a sense of it. He's quite good on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but what else did I notice yesterday? Oh, there's quite a nice thing to check out. When Kolasinac... Uh, I still can't quite get the hang of it. Go on, give me one more lesson. Kolasinac. Kolasinac, okay. Kolasinac. Now, I, this is what uh, was uh, was told to me by one of our... Bosnian readers. I think he sent me an email with a sound file, which I can't find anymore, I but I think it's, it's Kolasinac. I think we had it on the podcast a little while back, so um, people remember these things, so they might be able to dig it up, but I think it's Kolasinac. Um, Kolasinac. Yeah. Well, when, when Kolasinac scores, all the players run over to the corner, and Mohamed Elneny, who's an energetic guy at the best of times, uh, runs over and jumps into the huddle, and as he does so, with a raised elbow, kind of like takes out Danny Welbeck on the forehead. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Welbeck sort of comes back to him and is like, you've just hit me in the face, <laughs> like in the middle of the celebrations. Uh, so that's worth seeing. Oh, but I mean, what better. did you make of... Um, the first half, because I actually thought, I know we went behind. Sorry, I know we're going to do this back to front, but yeah. I just thought in some ways our first half performance was the most encouraging. I thought there were some, some really good moments from Arsenal there, particularly in the front three. Yeah, I agree. There was one absolutely beautiful move which started at the back. I think it could have been one of those moments where the player, I can't remember, it could have been holding or Bellerin, I'm not sure, or between holding and Bellerin. holding, maybe. Um, yeah. Where you're going, well, if he just clumps this out for a throw... You wouldn't have any real issue with it, safety first and all that. But 
they kept the ball, moved it from the right back position all the way through midfield. I think Welbeck could have been involved. Uh, Lacazette was certainly involved. He picked it up and drove on and uh, exchanged passes. And I think that was the one where he hit the post, which would have been an absolutely sensational goal. And I think the uh, the, the football we saw there was was glorious. Um, I know mm. we tend maybe to get a little hung up sometimes on the aesthetics of things rather than the effectiveness or the uh, how effective the, the, the football is. But that was both effective and really, really beautiful football. Um, and it showed a confidence, I think, within the within the team to be able to play out from the back like that against a team like Chelsea. You're not playing against Sutton United like that. You're playing against the champions like that. I think that was very encouraging. Yeah, I, I think it was too. What did you make of... Lacazette's, uh, you know, p- performance, I guess, on his, his first big outing in an Arsenal shirt. Um, I mean, he, he didn't stand out the same way that Kolasinac did, for example. Uh, but I yeah. think he's a player who, more than uh, more than any other position, right? He is uh, a slave to the service that he gets in a way. I don't think he's the kind of striker who's going to come deep very often. He wants to get on the end of things. And I do think that when you're playing against a good defence, uh, that Chelsea certainly is, with uh, Cahill, uh, Luis and Aspilicueta are, are three very good uh, central defenders and are a very good unit, it's difficult to make that kind of an impact. But I also think that when we get the two most creative players in the team back, in Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, I think he's going he's gonna to find things a little easier. He's going to have more chances or, or more chances to impress. But he was, he was pretty decent, I thought, without getting too much service. Yeah, the encouraging thing for me was that there was a, a few nice bits of link-up play, some nice balls out to the, the wing-backs. He had one half chance and he very nearly scored with it. It's funny because it, it, back in the in the media room in the FA, they were kind of playing a sort of compilation of Thierry Henry goals into cut with Lacazette goals, kind of try, trying to draw that comparison. But mm. I don't think he's the same kind of player, really. He's more of a, an Eduardo-y box player, isn't he? Someone who's waiting for yeah. chances. He's a finisher. Um, um, and so much of that will depend on service. But I thought he looked tidy. He's clearly a competent, intelligent footballer. It's all about if we can give him the ammunition he needs, really. Yeah, for sure. And I don't see why we wouldn't be able to do that when you've got players who can pick a pass the way Sanchez and, and Ozil in particular can. Uh, it's mm. about then making or him finding the space or being able to to move into the spaces that they can exploit behind defenders. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he how he dovetails with those two because that more than anything is going to determine how well he does at Arsenal. So yeah, we we'll see. Yeah. We've not seen him, you know, play a, a moment with Alexis yet. So really looking forward to to that. And I know I read your blog this morning how impressed you were with uh, Alex Awobi mm. in those creative positions as well. Yeah, he he looked really exciting. First half in particular, I thought he looked very very exciting. Um, there was one moment actually wasn't there, and there, maybe it was second half where he sort of did, did a little double drag back in the box and and almost got a mm. shot away or or saw a shot blocked. But you know, I think he is. Uh, He's a real talent. You know, we spoke about him last season uh, and we were impressed with him. During his second season, things didn't go quite as well as he would have liked. But I think that was true of the team in general. Um, that that the team struggled. I think Iwobi was a little bit of a victim of, of that in a way. That when things are going poorly, managers tend to defer to experience 
uh, and he found himself a little bit on the outs. But he seems obviously determined to make up for that and have a real impact this season. And uh, yeah, there was a lot to like about the way that he played yesterday. I, I love the way he runs. I just love it. It's great. There's something, <laughs> he's quite unique the way he runs, as I think I said on Twitter. He looks like he's uh, in his own strange universe where he is running like a video with a dodgy frame rate. You know, it's like, tup, 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 tup. I don't know how to explain it, but I, do, I just like watching him run. I could sit there for ages and just, someone make a gif of Alex Iwobi, an endless looping gif of Alex Iwobi running in a circle. I just sit there for hours. Keep me entertained. <laughs> I'm very easily entertained. What can I tell you? I saw an interview with Iwobi where he was talking about running uh, and uh, he was saying that he doesn't consider himself quick at all. He doesn't think of himself as a, a quick player, but he does seem to have that little burst of acceleration. And I think mm. his touch is so good that he looks quicker than he is, if that makes any sense. It's like because he, he doesn't have to he, he doesn't have to massively change direction. He, he just takes the ball in his stride so easily. Yeah. I really love watching him play. He's, he's so silky smooth. There was some great footwork yesterday at times. And I guess with doubts over Alexis and Ozil, potentially, he's, he's got to be in with a really good chance of starting the first Premier League game against Leicester. Yeah, that is true. Obviously, uh, we'll get more team news as the week goes on. But as it stands, there are some doubts over Rams who's got a calf problem uh, Mesut Ozil who took a kick to his ankle Arsene Wenger said so it's a little bit swollen mm. so we'll have to see if there's any damage done there and Alexis I can't see Alexis starting against Leicester but I can't see a situation where we go into the game without him being on the bench yeah. I wouldn't even rule it out him starting. I mean, I think it's unlikely, but we've seen you know him thrown into the fray before. He'll definitely be in the match day squad, surely, mm. unless he has some kind of setback. Touch wood. So <laughs> what else? Oh yeah, well, um, what else? Arsene Wenger spoke about the the squad. Um, oh, there's a there's a picture on the internet doing the rounds. I mean, I saw it yesterday. The match day program. Yeah, I saw it. The Community Shield. I mean, our squad is like. I mean, to be fair, Chelsea have loaned out about fifty people, but our squad is is pretty enormous. I mean, we talked about the players missing yesterday, the likes of Ramsey, Koscielny, Ozil, Alexis. What we didn't talk about are people who weren't even there. I'm talking about Gibbs, Wilshire, Perez. You know, this mm. Jenkinson, this squad is big now, very big. It is too big, too big. And it it definitely needs to be trimmed. And I think it needs to be trimmed before they, they'll bring anybody in. I think in some ways, having such a big squad is precluding any more business uh, or any more arrivals um, because we mm. just can't we just can't carry that many people and when you think about it, not so much the fees that we might get because someone like Jenkinson and Debushi fees that you would get for them would be minimal if you get anything at all but when you add all those players up and you add the wages it's it's a lot of money and those wages could be used a to bring in new players but b to offer some of the players that we want to keep uh, improve packages but until we get those players off the books I, I don't see how we can do that so I think that's really got to be a priority between now uh, and the end of the transfer window it's how quickly those deals can be done if we can find people to take those players it's how quickly the deals can be done because inevitably as the, the market heads towards the final week or so things will start will start heating up but certainly Arsene Wenger seems determined doesn't he to to trim the fat so to speak yeah, I mean, it's telling even in the case of somebody like Jack Wilshire, I think his language has changed, hasn't it? I mean, a week ago, for example, he was asked about Lucas Perez and he said, uh, oh, 
he's you know at the moment he's staying two days ago he was like well we'll find a solution it might be a temporary solution mm. <laughs> you know what I mean we're sort of moving the goalposts and then Jack Wilshire a couple of weeks ago speaking about him potentially having a future now he's like well we'll see I want to give him the opportunity to play I think even in Arsenal's language there's a kind of an omission that some people are going to have to go and it may be that he can't lose everybody, so it's the people that there's interest in yeah. that he'll be able to move on. I, I hope it picks up now. I know the transfer deadline is still a few weeks away, but the league season does at least start now, and that might accelerate things a little bit. Mm. A lot of people are asking where Jack Wilshire was yesterday. Uh, I saw that on our our, our mm. Twitter timelines. People asking where, where was Wilshire, because you saw Sandy Cazorla, Gabriel, Alexis, Ozil, uh, Mustafi, etc. were all there. But then I, it occurred to me, was Aaron Ramsey there? I didn't see Aaron Ramsey either. No, I didn't actually. Didn't spot Aaron Ramsey. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that that Cazorla would be there, even though he's sort of a relatively long-term mm. absentee, uh, and yet Ramsey and Wilshire not. I, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. You can say Aaron Ramsey wasn't there, so it doesn't mean anything, Jack Wilshire not being there. But you could also say, well, Kieran Gibbs, Lucas Perez, Carl Jenkinson, Matthew Debushi, they weren't there either. Wilshire could be in that camp. Yeah. We just don't know, do yeah. we, right now? No, no, we don't. But uh, I think things will become more clear between between now and the uh, the end of August. Um, so look, yeah, all in all, a positive day. I think we can go into the, the opening day of the season on Friday against Leicester feeling a bit more positive than perhaps we were. I think there, there was a slight air of trepidation before this game that if we got a bad defeat, it might just, uh, it might just cause some angst uh, before mm. our first Premier League game. But I think, you know, obviously we have to look at the game in context, but there there were nothing really but positives to take from it. Yeah, and, and look, this is basically the first... I can understand a bit of optimism because this is the first time in, what, a decade that we're starting the season with kind of a brand new formation, really. Like, this is a yeah. team that, since it's switched system, has been, well, really strong in terms of results. And, you know, we, we're going into a new season with that for the first time. So that is quite exciting. We don't necessarily know how that's going to play out. And one of the problems with supporting Arsenal is you feel like you know how the story of every season unfolds. But I do think that that is a significant enough change that it's got people... Uh, intrigued at the very least yeah yeah for sure for sure and uh, the, the players seem much more comfortable with that formation now it seems to be uh, well embedded uh, at this point so yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it goes and obviously we want to kick off the season in the right way against Leicester on Friday but that is something that we can discuss uh, later in the week on the Arsecast which returns this Friday um, so we'll be previewing the Premier League season as usual there um, there are other uh, some other like summer transfer moves in the uh, in the podcast world James did you see that the uh, the football weekly thing that's now becoming yes the totally the totally show is that what it is the totally I think show? so. Totally football or something like no, that. And well, I think, yeah. Go oh on. no, not 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 even totally football. The just totally, totally the totally football show, and then the the Telegraph have done uh, a new podcast which is called the Total Football Podcast. So I think this is the mm. new uh, this is the new thing. You've got to have the word total in there somewhere. <laughs> totally total football. Total football, totally. Do you know what you should do, actually? Someone should do a podcast about Russian football called Totalitarian Football. What about that? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, why not? We've got to get Total into our title. I mean, you don't think that the departure of James Richardson from Guardian Football Weekly is going to set in effect a, a domino rally that leads to you being poached from from the Arscast team. Where would I go? Who would I who would I go to? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're you're sort of the Karen Benzema at the end of the line, you know. It's like you've got to be moved on. Oh man, but I, I like know. it. I'm gonna do a Theo Walcott. I'm just gonna stay here. I like it. Just gonna stay. Just yeah. gonna stay. Fair enough. Alright, well look, we're gonna take a break here. We'll be back with your questions and much more in part two right after this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two, where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. James, I'm going to allow you to go first, because uh, that's just the kind of guy I am. Generous, very generous of you. Well, this one comes on Twitter from Yonri, who's at 2 nil 2 da arsenal Okay. So I, like, I, I, I like that name. Why not? Why are we seeing one nil? Let's make it two. Yeah. He says... Why do I feel optimistic about this season? Can you talk me out of it? I could talk you out of it, but, like, why? 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 That, I mean, I, I have to say, from, the, from as long as I can remember being an Arsenal fan, I've always had this misguided, I guess, hope at the beginning of the new season. It's part of what I love about football is that it's a blank slate. It's a clean slate. Anything can happen. You want to think the best of your team. You know, I'm not blind to the issues, of course. Everybody knows, you know, where we might uh, make some improvements along the way. Uh, our track record might lead you to believe that we could flatter to deceive. Perhaps maybe that's something that we might do. But on the eve of a new season, I think it's... I think it would be a shame to talk somebody out of that optimistic feeling that they have because I have it. I have it. Even though part of me is going, you fucking idiot, what are you doing? You know, I still have it. This idea that we could do anything because just mm. because we're Arsenal. And I know that makes no sense, but it's just the way that I feel about it. So I could talk you out of it 2 0 to Arsenal, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I mean, he's obviously an optimist. His name's 2-0 to Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we should have seen this coming. He's a glove-house-full kind of guy. Um, I feel optimistic as well. Isn't that sort of what being a fan is? That you kind of uh, get a bit swept up and you let yourself 
believe that this year is going to be different and it's going to be the year. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to not have that at the start of the new season. Mm. That's what makes it exciting. Um, and I do think there is a little bit of kind of logistic. Uh, sorry, logical rather uh, basis for it this time with the new formation and things like that. I mean, inevitably, it's going to be a crushing disappointment when the, <laughs> the reality of the competition sets in. But let's enjoy this optimism while we can. I don't think we should be talking ourselves out of it. Yeah. At least let's wait until the day after transfer deadline day. That's that's traditionally the point for outpourings of grief and hysteria, isn't it? <laughs> the day after deadline day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, there's a long, long, hard, difficult, treacherous road ahead. Let's not let's not <laughs> cut our own feet off before we go down that road. I think um, exactly. All right, uh, from Facebook, Andres Gru. Gruchot or Gruchot or Grucho, I don't know. Uh, Andres will no doubt tell me. He says, Kolasinac goal celebration. What the fuck? Did you see it? Yeah, what was that? I don't know. It looks to me (laughs) like he was trying to, I don't know, wank off a couple of giants. (laughs) (laughs) It did look a lot like that. I thought it was, it was, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely a milking gesture, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, there was, there was something a little bit like, oh, what are you doing? I know he was kind of going, yeah, but it just, yeah, it, <laughs> it looked something like. Something was lost in translation there, definitely. For sure, for sure. Um, it reminded I mean, there me, is, it, it, go on. There is, I'm sure, someone very skilled at video editing who could make it look like Colesnatch <laughs> is uh, wanking off two giants, but please don't do that. <laughs> no, please, we beg you. For all the interaction that we love about this podcast and the photoshops yeah. and everything else that people make, just don't do this one. But it reminded me of that scene. Did you have you ever watched uh, Silicon Valley? Yeah, um, there's a scene towards the end of the the first series where they, I don't quite know what it was. They're talking about how the red haired guy, um, mm. how he would have to like wank off an entire room full of people like 500 people for them to win this competition and then they get they just spend about five minutes working out like if he had like two hands here and two hands there and they're just the the, the math the maths of it all is fucking brilliant so maybe Colosinac is a big fan of Silicon the logistics. Valley yeah the logistics yeah like, exactly uh, <laughs> like if they got a machine could he do like two dicks at a time and oh it was yeah funny um, it's funnier I than mean, I'm making it I sound did. I promise <laughs> No, I know, I'm sure. And Carlos Sinac is a, a, a big and dexterous guy. I'm sure he could do many if needed. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, maybe that will be his trademark celebration. You know, maybe we'll, we'll see it from now on. I, I, it, it is definitely worth checking out if you missed it. And if you, if you do know what that signifies... Please get in touch and let us know because I think we need to know to replace the images that we've subsequently conjured. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? In in the new edition of FIFA, if you get to a certain (laughs) level, you can unlock the wanking the Giants goal celebration. (laughs) That's it. Oh, wow. And then if you score a hat trick, you (laughs) mime rimming an ogre. I don't know. But anyway... I think we should move on. Uh, yeah, okay, let's move on. So, uh, okay, on, on the on the subject of Colosinach, um Matt Horner uh, asks, who, and this is not an innuendo, who are you most looking forward to Colosinach absolutely bulldozing this season? That is a really good question. Who would I really like him to just smash into oblivion? Who yeah. is... Like, it's a shame someone like Robbie Savage is not still 
playing. Um, it's a shame. I think. I think. Yeah. No. I think Deli Ali. Oh, you've nailed it. I, you've absolutely nailed that can't, one. <laughs> it can't be anybody else. The most irritating little fucker in the game at the moment, and uh, him and his his face, and that other guy, the guy who's going to be playing right back for, for Tottenham now that they've sold Trippier. Trippier. He's got a face that deserves a, a, thorough, a thorough bulldozing uh, by Kolasinac. But it's got to be Deli Alley, though. I mean, I can't stand all the way all his facial features seem to be crammed towards the middle of his head. And, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got to be him. He's so infuriating. It's such a dirty, niggly player. To see him take it out, I'd like him to be fairly taken out. I'd like it to not be a foul, just to teach him a lesson. Yeah. But just an absolute smashing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Hard but fair. That's what we can all get behind. Exactly. We don't want to. We don't want anybody to have, uh, you know, a nasty injury inflicted upon them by uh, a dirty, uh, so Shaw Crossian tackle, if you like. But a hard no. but fair challenge that leaves him in bits, crumpled We're in a heap. A, a shoulder to shoulder challenge that sends him into the crowd, where the crowd rip his body apart and set him from true. limbs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We we get, we can't be responsible for what the crowd do. <laughs> Exactly. And nor can Kozinac. No, exactly. Um, That would be good, yeah. Anyone else? All right. Anyone else Uh, you can think of? I mean, I've gone Tottenham, but... I mean, what if he was chasing uh, a ball out of play on the touchline and just clattered into Mourinho? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be fucking amazing? We need to make this happen. We need (laughs) Granit Xhaka to overhit a pass. It seems unlikely, given the way he played yesterday, but we need him to overhit a pass. Kozinac goes after it. And all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Like if on a wet day, something like that, he's charging, he slides to try and keep the ball in, but slides off the pitch and upends Mourinho, who does a couple of somersaults before landing flat on his back, absolutely breathless, unable to breathe. You know that bit where you get winded, where you're just for the first couple of seconds, you're like, (laughs) but that goes on for maybe 40 seconds. I'd yeah. like that to happen. And then he gets his breath For, back. 42. In. Why not? 42. And the only thing we need to do before we enact this plan is make sure Golosinac is wearing some sort of goggles or protective eyewear <laughs> in case yeah. Mourinho goes for the gouge. Yeah, exactly. With his fucking cancer thumb. Prick. Anyway, um, <laughs> here's a question from Jordan Smale, who's at JP Smale. And he says, holding started, chambers not included in the squad. Anything to read into there? I think there probably is, you know, because Arsenal started the game. It was only kind of seeing actually on the bench, wasn't it? And he's not, you know, there was room for a centre half, a pure centre half in the Chambers form. I actually forgot about Callum Chambers until you asked me that question. That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Tis a bit good for him. Tis a bit. I thought he would come back and compete for a place. I was intrigued actually to see this story about Gabriel Paulista uh, in the Spanish press. Valencia was it? Who's saying they they might be after him? Yeah, that's true. The Valencia manager is the guy who managed Gabriel at uh, Villarreal. So he knows him pretty well, and they obviously want a centre-half. I wonder, is there some wiggle room, some scope to for Valencia to do a deal with Arsenal based on the Mustafi deal? Because, again, we know mm. transfers are paid over a period of time, so there could be some way of offsetting what Arsenal owe. That connection is there, obviously, between the two clubs from last year as well. So it, it might be interesting to see if Gabriel goes. And I think if Gabriel does go, then we can't let Chambers go. We've got to keep him because we require that that depth at centre-half. 
Um, you know, Koscielny does have this ongoing Achilles problem. Uh, Purr is in his in his final season. So, you know, for me, I think we spoke about it even last week. For me, I keep Chambers anyway, but certainly if Gabriel goes, then we've definitely got to keep him. But I think it was telling yesterday that the pecking order at Arsenal is the other way around from England under 21s, where Chambers gets the nod ahead of holding at Arsenal, holding gets the, the nod ahead of Chambers. Yeah. I mean, I, basically, I think one of Gabriel or Chambers probably has to go. We've just got... You know, we've got so many central defenders, especially when you count uh, Kolasinac as one of them. Mm. So, yeah, one of them's got to go. I, I do wonder if it might be Gabriel, if there's interest, just because Chambers, you know, he contributes to the homegrown quota and yeah, he's the younger of the players. So, uh, so and maybe, maybe he's, well, he's not. He's probably not more versatile. I was going to say more versatile, but I think Wenger fancies Gabriel as a, a right back, whereas I'm, I don't think he fancies Chambers there. Yeah, we but see, but you wouldn't play Gabriel as a right back in this new system. You wouldn't play him as a wing back. No, so that negates that versatility that he has if that's an advantage yeah. for him so yeah we'll see could be an interesting one an unexpected departure um, perhaps so let's see alright uh, your question my question well speaking of unexpected departures Kev Arsenal 1990 says if there is genuine interest from Everton in Welbeck they were linked over the weekend with a £30 million bid would you sell him given that for a forward his finishing is poor I w- I wouldn't, to be honest, because, uh, I mean, I get the point about the finishing, that he should be scoring more goals, but I just think he's a he's a good footballer, all-round footballer, and certainly over the course of this season when we've got Premier League, Europa League, uh, all the cup games, was that your stomach making that noise? It's a chair, don't worry. Okay. It's, a, it's a, a squeaky chair. I was wondering. I was going, you must be, you must be hungry. Um, but no, I think, I think there's too much football to play to let him and Lucas Perez go. Mm. I don't think we can afford to lose both of those options because we'll have Lacazette. It looks like Giroud is going to stay. Some comments from him after the game yesterday saying that you know he's happy at Arsenal. He's got a contract for another two years at least. He doesn't seem like he's agitating for a move, even though he knows that in World Cup year he may need to to play a bit. I think he, he probably feels quite reassured by the fact that it's Deschamps is the French manager, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that Deschamps obviously uh, knows him well and likes what he does for the team and it probably doesn't feel threatened or as threatened as he might uh, by Lacazette's arrival and Lacazette's, I presume, uh, promotion to the first-choice striker given how much we've, we've paid for him. But I would keep Welbeck um, unless, of course, you know, the proviso is that, you know, we take the money from Everton if it is on offer and we go out and we buy somebody better. But again, that's... That's uh, that's difficult to envisage at this point of the transfer window. Even if we are still after Lamar, I think we need to keep Welbeck. So no, I would not. I would not take the money this summer. I thought you were going to say. I think Shrewd's probably quite reassured uh, by the fact that uh, Welbeck can't score for shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did produce a, an incredible shot yesterday, didn't he? When it was pulled back to him, I mean, it made uh, Thibaut Courtois' effort look accurate uh, from the edge of the box. It flew up in the air, but um, 
he is a good footballer. I, I know it might seem contradictory to be like, he's a good footballer, but there's plenty of people who've been good footballers and not good finishers. I mean, the, the sort of Alex Kleb disorder uh, strikes a few people. It's just not ideal for a striker. But what Welbeck gives you more than others is I think he, he really does have the ability to lead the line or play, as he did yesterday, mm. in a slightly more withdrawn role. And I think I think that really will appeal to us. And so I, I can't see... I can't see him being sold this summer. All right, Magnus Holmberg wants to know, do you think Bellerin going through Alonso in that tackle yesterday was about revenge? Uh, possibly. It would be very understandable if it was. I mean, I must say, it didn't look... It didn't necessarily look it to me. I, I think he just was a fraction, fraction late. It wasn't so late that I thought, oh, he's really gone in there to make a point. Yeah. But as someone who knew what had gone on with Alonso... Uh, I wasn't sorry to see it. Let's put it like that. Do you think it was deliberate? Um, was it deliberate? I mean, look, I think he was going for the ball. I think the fact that it was Alonso made him a bit more determined to get to the ball, even if it was less of a 50-50 than it might have been. So, yeah, why not? I'm sure it was in his mind. I think there's a bit of niggle between them, actually. There was a bit going on there yesterday. Certainly, Alonso picked up a yellow for a, a fairly cynical block on, on Bellerin a bit later on in the game maybe in the I can't remember which half it was but certainly he he got booked uh, not long after Bellerin actually so it was first half so I think there's a little bit of something going on there there appeared to be a little bit of niggle between them going down the down the right hand side our right hand side I like to think there is mm. you know I like that I, I think we need the pantomime villains in a way we need those people in the game because uh, you know so much of football I mean, it could be a tremendous, positive, lovely experience, but so much of it is based on who you don't like and who you hate and getting one up on the, the people that that uh, are in your enemies list, you know, that way. So I think uh, yeah. Alonso as a kind of, I don't know, Timothée-looking fucker, isn't he, with his... Uh, with his hair, yeah, his hair's pretty horrendous. Isn't mm. it? It's quite, inf- it's quite infuriating hair, especially someone who doesn't have very much hair. Like yes, me. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> I do know what you mean. I, it's just the color of it annoyed me. I don't know why. Just sure, it was a bit like George Michael in the early days of Wham. It feels like Pat Sharp hair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Pat, Pat Sharp. Sharp. I do indeed. He's a big, yeah, big. Yeah. He's a big Arsenal fan as well. Pat Sharp is he? Well, that makes sense actually because I know. I, I was about to say, I know where he lives, like in a really <laughs> creepy way. That makes sense because I know where he lives. I know where you live, Pat Sharp. Um, so, but, yeah, I know where you live, Pat Sharp. If you're listening, Pat, I will come for you. Uh, I think he's. Um, I, I where think, is his uh, trophy? His son, Nicky, uh, could be listening to this as we speak. So we're not actually going to yes. get your dad, I promise. James isn't, are you? You're not. I, I promise nothing. I promise nothing, Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, no, I, I can't bear Alonso. And and look, if there was some revenge, that is, that is a case where I think that is definitely justifiable. All right. Your question. OK, this is from Mikolai Dusinski on Twitter. I had a really good go at that, given how much I struggle with Kolasinac. Mm. And... Mikolai asks, looking at how poor, once again, he looked yesterday, do you think that the contract slash wanting out situation has an effect on Ox? Um, I, I, I don't know, but I don't know where he's going to play this season. Liverpool, I was thinking, maybe. <laughs> Apparently, um, I was talking to... Uh, on Members' Day, after Members' Day, having a pint in the Tollington. I was talking to uh, Akil, um, 
Akil Vyas, who many people will know off Twitter. Mm. And he said he, he sat beside Oxley chamberlain at the, uh, the, the Arsenal Foundation dinner thing. And yeah, he, he spoke. Yeah, he spoke a lot about wanting to play in in central midfield. And what we're seeing is a guy who's being played out of position at left wing back because he's not going to be played in central midfield. He's not going to be played ahead of ahead of uh, Hector Bellerin on the right hand side unless something um, something goes wrong with with Hector. You know, he's a I, I think a capable deputy in that regard, but. You know, he didn't shine yesterday. He had an opportunity to, I don't know if stake a claim for that left-hand position is the right thing to say, because I don't think that's where he's he's going to play, but certainly to put in the kind of display that would get people saying, look, it's really, really important that we tie this guy down to a new deal. And to me, it wouldn't be that surprising if by the end of the transfer window, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was not an Arsenal player. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's interesting, isn't it, that Arsene Wenger, who in the past, when he's wanted to keep a player, has made concessions about positions. You think about Theo Walcott, mm. potentially, getting that run through the middle, has made no concession at all and no attempt in pre-season to uh, convince Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain he'll get an opportunity in the middle of the park. If anything, it feels pointed. Uh, you know, he, I mean, Joe Willock, got games in central midfield in pre-season yeah. and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain didn't. It seems to me the message is if you stay here, you do so in the fu- in the full knowledge that it is as a backup wing-back, essentially. Mm. Um, which is quite unarsing in some ways. But uh, I think... I don't know if it affected his performance yesterday because I think what he did yesterday was kind of a bit of a quintessential Oxlade-Chamberlain performance. Amazing athleticism. Mm. The ability to just drive past people as if they're not there and then overhitting crosses <laughs> and just running it out of play a little bit. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't mean to sound unkind because he had some very good games last season. But if you look at the last five years or, or, or whatever it's been, longer, I think, he hasn't produced that consistently. No. So... If he doesn't want to sign, I think they've got to sell him. And I have had a couple of whispers that he's not been quite himself uh, around the around the team this summer. He's been a little bit uh, off colour in terms of his his sort of his, his uh, morale and his attitude. So I think you know if he's not happy, I think he's someone you've really got to think about selling, especially with the squad being the size of it is and potentially so much. You know, the, the fact that he's going to go for free if you don't next season. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a, a decision that needs to be made there. Maybe it needs to come from the Oxlade-Chamberlain side, but uh, I think Arsenal could be tempted, to be honest. Um, and, it, you know, he's a, he seems like a good guy, a really popular guy. He's funny and he's smart and, you know, he, he does lots of great stuff around the club. Um but just on the pitch, it's where the, the question marks are. And maybe it's what he needs as a player to go and, and uh, develop himself uh, and play central midfield somewhere. But I just, you know, it doesn't seem likely that he's going to get that chance at Arsenal. No, it does not. It does not. I think uh, much will depend on if there's a buyer, won't it? I mean, mm. that's all gone a bit quiet. So is there a buyer out there who wants to take him? But I think there's there's definitely legs in this story. I think it, there's going to be twists and turns well, before the deadline comes. Think about maybe a, a, a Liverpool with bazillions of pounds to spend after they sell Coutinho to Barcelona for example they might view him as somebody who could play perhaps behind a striker as an attacking central midfield player who mm. knows who knows uh, I, I think you there is think some we can 
You don't think we can convince Barcelona to spend all the Neymar money on Oxlade Chamberlain? Don't think so. Don't think so. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think there's going to be a few twists and turns before the end of this transfer window. Not just from an Arsenal point of view. I think there's going to be some stuff happening um, that we maybe didn't expect. I don't know what. It's just a feeling I have. It's that same crazy optimistic feeling I have about Arsenal at the start of the season. So it could be absolutely based on nothing. But I just have that. I have a gnawing feeling that some some stuff is going to happen. So. Well, I mean, as you say, if Barcelona might well have, to, well, they do have 200 million quid in their pocket. 100 million of that might go to to Liverpool. There's money floating around. I mean, Antonio Conte yesterday, sort of visibly fuming in his press conference, I think he really wants to get more signings done. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money still on the table and it'll be interesting to see where it ends up. Mm. All right. Uh, is it my question? It is. Okay, Glenn Miller, who's at underscore Glenn Miller... I believe he's got a fairly famous band. Um, he says, is it ever acceptable to include a Spurs player in a fantasy football team selection? <sighs> I mean, you hate fantasy football full stop, don't yeah. you? Yeah, can't do it. Just can't do it. But there used to be an arse blog. I don't know if it still exists, but there used to be an arse blog fantasy league, not run by you, I hasten to add. Yeah. Uh, and it was illegal at the time to have... Spurs players or Manchester United players in your team. It was kind of a, a, a sub-rule. I think that is a good rule. I mean, sometimes pragmatism has got the better of me in the past, I must confess. I remember when Gareth Bale was just in that blistering form for Spurs, I I, I caved and I had Gareth Bale in my team. Um, but, you know, I was in a competition with, you know, siblings and friends. I had to win. I had to do whatever it took. Um but I am ashamed as well, <laughs> deeply ashamed. Well, that's it. If you know, if if you're uh, if you're in a competitive thing, then fine, fine, I guess. You know, if you can live with but yourself, it feels horrible. It yeah. feels horrible. That's it. Can you live with yourself? I don't know. I think on my deathbed, I'll be thinking about it. The shame, uh, the dirt, yeah. <laughs> the huge shame. Um, but I think you know, you have to make your own peace with it, guys. It's up to you. You know, can you live with it? That's yeah. the question you've got to ask yourself. Is is the money that you win, is the beer you buy with the money you win, is it going to taste all spursy to you? Or can you just yeah. compartmentalize that and enjoy a nice, cold, delicious beer? I'd say most people can just enjoy the beer because it is ultimately fantasy football and not real. But I have to say, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Like, whenever I play... Um, FIFA, for example, which we have to do, <laughs> we have to get it done. Um, oh my god! Yeah. Uh, one of one of the uh, one of the questions today is not really a question. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, boom, boom, boom. Uh, I can't just at the moment, but it was just basically somebody saying, "Play FIFA, play FIFA, play FIFA, play FIFA, play FIFA." Um, so yeah, there's there's a need. It was from Richard Franklin at the Real Bearski, and it's just basically play FIFA, play FIFA. Uh, so we will. But whenever I play a video game or football video game, I can only be Arsenal. I can't mm. choose even Brazil to play with because I'm like, nah, I just I don't care. So I've got to be Arsenal. When I play Championship Manager, it's always Arsenal. I, I don't yeah. want. I don't want to be manager of fucking Aldershot, and I don't care about bringing them up through the leagues and creating my own dynasty at a small club, building it into one of the biggest, most uh, successful football clubs in European history, getting the stadium extended, increasing the budgets, buying star players, winning the Premier League, the Champions League. I don't give a fuck. 
I just want to like play with Arsenal. So I can't uh, I can't ever choose a Tottenham player for anything um, simply because I'm I'm that uh, fussy about who I play video games with and fantasy stuff. So. For me, but no. do you not? Is there not like the risk of defeat? So you know, it's like if you're playing with Aldershot and you lose, who gives a shit? But if you're an Arsenal, if you feel it, it's painful, you've inflicted that on yourself. Is that not a risk that you run? Yeah, but you've got to balance that. You can't have the good times without the bad times. The James. rewards, the got, rewards, yeah, the rewards so are greater. You know, to to manage Arsenal to Premier League uh, title in Football Manager, even if you've lost a few games along the way, it's still it's just worth it. It's worth it in the end. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. Uh, any more questions? Uh, do I, I have one more here, actually, before I'll we go, go on. on to the final thing. Um, Craig Chugari, who's at C. Chugs uh, on Twitter, says, Is Reese Nelson now the brightest young star at the club? In brackets, he looks very good. And if so, mm. what does that mean for the Jeff? Ah, for there can, there can only be one. Yes. <laughs> there can only be one young gun. Um, I don't know where, what's happened to the Jeff. I don't know if he was caught stealing from Arsene Wenger or something. But it does seem like he's had a bit of a fall from grace. And Reese Nelson goes from strength to strength. I mean, it felt like yesterday was a reward, didn't it, for, mm. uh, for Nelson, for, for how well he's done in pre-season to get on for those last few minutes. He was actually about to come on when we were chasing the equaliser and then when Kolasinac scored Wenger told him to sit down and I thought ah oh, that might have been his chance but mm. he then put him on a few minutes later and I've got to tell you a couple of things that you just saw in person number one he comes onto the pitch at Wembley against Chelsea he was shouting instructions at Granite Xhaka at Kolasinac he, he was asking for the ball at all times when they went over to discuss the penalty takers I saw him go up to Arsene Wenger and put his hand up, and I and I actually think there is a chance he might have been the fifth taker. Like he he was definitely saying, "I'm going, I'll take one." And apparently, he's a brilliant penalty taker at youth level. I haven't seen them, but apparently, he's very, very good. I I wonder so, would he have been taking the fourth one, and because of the fourth, Giroud, sorry, yeah, because the Giroud they penalty, it. yeah, because it was to win it. Um, Giroud went because obviously that got might, makes sense because when it came to Giroud. There was a bit of uncertainty about who would step forward. Right. Um, Giroud sort of stepped forward. He looked at the line and there was a bit of uh, a back and forth about who should step up. So, right. But the fact that he, that he was in there at that age tells you all about his confidence, all about his bottle. I, uh, look, I, I know we all go mad about signings, but it was telling on Arsenal.com there was a, a piece yesterday like about how the new boys are fitting in and it was Lacazette, Kolasinac and Nelson. And I think, mm. I hate this phrase, but it feels like a new signing. It feels like some fresh blood and fresh impotent squad. I mean, you saw him training at Members' Day and you were pretty impressed, weren't you, with what you saw from him? Yeah, I mean, there was that goal, which I'm sure everybody saw, uh, where he did the, the sort of drag back and stunned the ball and then poked it in with his other foot uh, after nutmegging the, the defender. But yeah, I, I see exactly what you're talking about in terms of how he doesn't look like a young player at training. He doesn't look in any way awed or or like he looks very confident for a kid mm. of 17. Um, and I think that's apparent in his inclusion in the squad. His quality is obviously... Uh, is obviously something that, Ar- that Arsene Wenger is willing to to give a chance to. Um, he looks he looks very very promising. I think he's going to get some football uh, for us this season. Um, he's included in the in the first team squad at seventeen. 
we know when a player is good enough, it doesn't really matter what his age is to Arsene Wenger. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be be very interesting to see him. I don't, I don't know what's going on with the Jeff. I suspect a, a loan move. I think there'll be quite a number of players going out on loan uh, before the end of the season, but I don't think, uh, before the end of the window, rather, but I don't think Nelson will be one of them, not in the first part of the season anyway, perhaps in the second um, mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. It will tell us a lot about what Arsene Wenger thinks of his talent and his readiness, uh, you know, if he stays and is involved pretty frequently with the uh, with the first team. Look, I mean, we talk about the, the squad being too big. If you want to see more of Reese Nelson, we need to sell players. That's the thing. It, it, I understand wanting to keep him around involved with the first team, but it's just so congested that... We need to clear people out to give young talent like that an opportunity. Uh, I think he will get chances, especially in the Europa League, but it's going to take people to move on first. Mm, yeah, yeah. But also, you know, just signing more players stand in his way again. This is the conundrum that we spoke about last week, isn't it? That people want the club to go out and spend money and make new signings. And, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, they complain when young talent isn't given the, the right chances. But... You know the, the step up is so huge from from youth team to first team that it's uh, the players who can do it are few and far between. We've had Iwobi come through, we've had Bellerin come through, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's time now. You know, one every couple of years, Reese Nelson could be the guy to to make the step up. I hope so. I, I'm excited by him, so it'd be great to see a, you know a young boy, another another young Arsenal lad come through. It is interesting though, isn't it? I mean, there's been all this talk about Thomas Lamar and 45 million euros or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, but that's that's for a young player. It's not for someone who's necessarily, uh, you know, it's not like when Alexis and Ozil arrived at that kind of price tag or even Lacazette. And, and I can understand Arsene Wenger's slight hesitation of, I've got Iwobi, I've got Nelson. How many of these young gifted players can I can I mm. give the appropriate playing time to? Um I hope Lamar arrives, but it, it is a bit of a quandary nonetheless. Mm. Uh, just before we move on to the final bit of the show, thanks to Mr. Gregory at Stevie Gregory, who sent us a story about uh, people who were followed in Gloucester, Gloucestershire. A group of walkers said they were followed by a growling panther for a mile. The walkers said they were followed for about 1.3 miles by the big cat after they got lost. So there you go. Wow. After our panther Terrifying. chat last week. Somebody's lost their yeah, wife. Nothing funny about that bit. Yeah. <laughs> God. Right. Ch- chilling. Right. We've got enough questions. Got mm. enough questions. Let's talk a little bit about your, ah. your video, James, <laughs> um, that we referenced on the podcast last week uh, and which has since gone absolutely crazy over a million views on YouTube. Mm. What's What's been going on? I mean, surely even more people are recognizing you, recognizing you on the streets now. You're, you're like a viral yes. sensation. I am, I am viral, uh, but not in that respect. I've had all my checks, but it was uh, surreal, uh, to be honest. And uh, you know, it shows the power of Arsenal and Ars Blog and all that to an extent. Because I think the fact that we talked about in this podcast probably gave it the kickstart it needed. And then it just went absolutely crazy. I mean, I never ever intended my little holiday prank <laughs> to uh, spiral so dramatically out of control. And what what was interesting as well is how it revealed. I mean, you know, we talked about that brilliant John Ronson book. So, what's it called? So You've Been Shamed? So You've Been Publicly like Shamed. That. Yeah, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. I feel like he needs to do a follow-up, which is So You've Been a Viral Sensation, because it is a, a hell of a roller coaster that you go on. And uh, what's fascinating as well is, because it's of me and my fiance, the video, the 
manner in which, like, you've put that out there and the kind of public uh, censure you <laughs> place yourself in front of is quite extraordinary. And most people are lovely, but as you're fully aware, and as I think you're going to make me aware, yeah. the internet is a very strange place. <laughs> It certainly is. So what I did was I obviously looked at the comments on YouTube and it went uh, very big on Reddit as well. It hit the front page of mm. Reddit. Um, and, and people, of course, uh, have got lots of things to say about stuff when it, it's on the internet. So I'm going to go through some, <laughs> some of the comments here. Uh, on YouTube, Kane says, never seen a man that's punching so far above his weight. I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming he's mid twenties, but genuinely could pass for late thirties. Three kids to two different mothers, and on his third marriage. Uh, well, look, I'm 31, so if he thinks I'm mid twenties, I'll I'll take that. I mean, I know I look 40, but that's fine. A doc- I've told you before that when I, I went to a doctor when I was 27, and uh, about an issue I was having, and he said, "Look, it's nothing to worry about. It. I mean, you're what 42." <laughs> He guessed specifically that I was 42 at the age of 27. It was incredible. I had to be like, no, I'm, I'm 27. He was like, oh, oh okay. Okay, this is a you problem seem 42. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nurse, come in immediately. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I mean, look, lots of comments to that effect. What else have you got? Hit well, me, I'm okay. ready for it. Okay, you're ready. And I, I know you've got a thick skin, but you're, you're probably going to need it. Uh, Ty- <laughs> Tyrone Lannister on YouTube says, why would this attractive female be with such a bald, annoying cunt? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Because he's a viral sensation, obviously. Yeah. For his YouTube millions. Exactly. That's the answer. Not Rappaport says, got enough douchebag boyfriends, Camille? Um, <laughs> Troma on YouTube says, how do stupid, self-absorbed fucks like this get women all the time? Or am I thinking too highly of these women? To which Mujaba Khan replied, It's just a dude fucking around. You're such a virgin, lol. You must be one of those nice guy losers who jerks off all day at home and wonder why your life sucks. Uh, so some some lovely interaction there. Um, That's nice. YouTube's great, isn't it? Yeah, YouTube. Well, we haven't even got to Reddit yet. Burger is cheap, says. Silly. Bringing karma points and social media to his life hour by hour. His second girlfriend. Feel sorry for these people. Quite what that means. I, I don't really know. Strong, no strong sock is short and sharp and to the point. What an insufferable twat, he says. <laughs> Uh, the thing is, I really, I shouldn't, but I do kind of enjoy making these people annoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Colonel Frank Slade says, I'm convinced that wherever this guy is from is a barren wasteland with not enough of anything. <laughs> um, so that, that might be I'm, it. I'm from Boreham Wood and he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Dragan Korinovich. Uh, he's taking the positives out of this. He says, seeing an ugly fucker like you with that cute girl gives me hope. Hashtag Mr. Inspiration. So there's your new name. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Inspiration. Inspiration. That's going to be my new Twitter handle. Mm. Uh, The next Seth on Reddit says, these videos really hinge on the joke just being mildly amusing enough and the girlfriend being approachably cute. Um, So thank Mm. you for that keen insight there. Can't argue with that. No. Uh, then quiet twiddler 24 says, if I were him, I wouldn't make pissing my girlfriend off a hobby. He's batting well above his league. Then <laughs> meme Mesters replies to that. Who's, and he says, 
Hmm, third comment I saw about that. I'm not gay, so I can't really judge, but he doesn't strike me as ugly. They're good for each other. <laughs> Who's that guy? I like that guy. That's He's my favourite. Meme-mesters. Richard Farmer yeah. says, Richard Farmer says, had enough of this guy. Um, Bluefin. <laughs> he must be a podcast listener. Yeah. Bluefin says, Camille needs to kick this plunker to the curb. She's quite fit and could easily do better than albino Ed Sheeran here. <laughs> um, wow, that one cut deep. Albino Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Ooh. That's, that's and harsh. we haven't even got to Reddit yet, have we? We're on Reddit. We're on Reddit. Um, oh, we're on Reddit, at yeah. least. Uh, eloping, eloping Llamas on Reddit says, Gunner Vlog, this is not just some guy. Part of the Arsenal-themed podcast, Arse Blog. <laughs> Arsenal-themed, I like that. Yeah, and then he says... Didn't think he was able to pull, though. <laughs> um, yeah. A couple more. There were a lot of comments about, like, uh, they're surprised I even have a girlfriend, which, you know, it's yep. fair enough. Uh, ill-informed pseudo-int, I think he says. The gasp at the very end, followed by the immediate end of the video, leads me to believe she finally broke and murdered him. Which yeah, is not I the mean, case. that's the big surprise that I, I wasn't murdered, to be mm. honest. Uh, and this, I think, is is my favourite one of all. Um, I'm just oh, going to take a, a little drink of water here because I, I need oh, wow. it. Um, I'm this excited. One, this a, this one comes from uh, Vandorbelt, who's on Twitter, uh, on Reddit, and he says, "I don't really get how saying got enough something there, mate, while pointing out sun chairs or supermarket juice, etc., is particularly funny." <laughs> The gut enough joke is is supposed to be used when somebody owns or uses an excessive number of something. It might have been funny if the girlfriend had been, say, using three sun chairs when she only needed one, or perhaps if she had purchased a whole bunch of snacks for the trip for just the two of them. Instead, he just points out shelves of stuff being sold. Zero out of ten. Poor joke execution. It's clear he's doing it just to get on her nerves. I don't know. Maybe it was some kind of inside joke between the two of them, but I can see why the girlfriend would get annoyed. I would hate to have a boyfriend that just pulls the same shitty and not in the so-bad-it's-good sort of way joke every three minutes just to get a rise out of me. To which old smelly penis replies, Got enough words there, mate. <laughs> Is his name actually Old Smelly Penis? <laughs> old Smelly Penis. Uh, that's actually my YouTube account. That's my Reddit account. That's your one. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, and just to, just to prove that not everybody is a total uh, total cunt, uh, Matthew Wilson on YouTube says, Ha, huh, very funny, man. Tell your fiancé she's a good sport. You'll have to take her someplace nice for dinner. So, oh, well, there you go. Thanks, Matthew there Wilson. You go. I mean, absolutely amazing. <laughs> absolutely amazing. It has been it has been odd. And what is odd is that um when it's in that scale, I think if one person emailed you something like that, it would kind of you might feel it, but when it's just on that scale, it really does just wash over you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, when when people tell you that you're punching or that your partner is much more attractive than you, I think they think it's gonna annoy you, but I think that's brilliant. I'm like <laughs> I've done really I've done something excellent there. So I don't really <laughs> I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah, that's exactly. Fine. Yeah. Exactly. I would much rather that than the other way around. <laughs> for sure, for sure, exactly. Well look, uh, fair play uh, to Camille, I think for being such a, a good sport throughout, a very good sport <laughs> throughout yeah, the whole thing, um, and the wedding is still on. So there you go. Marvelous, marvelous. 
This is uh, this is good news indeed. And uh, I, you know, you, you're not going to do it on the honeymoon, are you? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm in talks with some 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 big channels. No, not really. Uh, I won't do it. I wouldn't dare risk that. I don't no, think. no. All right. I'll do something else. <laughs> <laughs> there. Yeah. Well. Yeah. If you're specifically denied uh, or prohibited from doing that, there's nothing to say. Exactly. You can't do something else. Exactly. Clever thinking. It's James. all in the small print, guys. <laughs> all right. Well, look, we're going to leave it there. Um, hope you enjoyed the show as ever. Thank you for listening. Do remember to subscribe uh, on iTunes, on Acast, wherever you want to get the show. Subscribe. Uh, we will have an Arscast on Friday. Looking ahead to the brand new season, we'll be previewing the Premier League season in general and from an Arsenal point of view as well. Um, so join us for that on Friday. Until then, have a good one. Bye bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.